Naively, I thought it was about cooking. This sounds really weird, but I thought it was a show about cooking. Now, what I experienced being on was it's more reality TV. Hello and welcome back to Breaking Breath, the Birmingham Food Podcast presented by Food Obsessed Mates, Liam and Carl. I'm Liam. Happy to have you all with us. What a crazy two weeks it's been since we released the Alex episode. Wow. Things have just gone a bit mental for us. Um, so glad everyone liked the episode with Alex. We have had probably more feedback than we had about any episode. It was crazy. I think we kind of knew that when we released it would be quite a popular episode. He's, he's such a charismatic dude, isn't he? Like he's, Everyone knows him. There's a little bit of controversy. I'm hoping we kind of peeled that back a little bit and maybe got the most honest interview you might have heard with him. If you haven't listened to it, obviously... It doesn't disappear, you can go back and listen. All of our episodes are still there since day one. So go back and have a listen to that if you didn't. A lot of people messaged us and said that they loved it. We really love hearing your feedback. It really makes it all worthwhile for us and um, we're really glad that you do that, obviously. Best way of getting back to us is obviously DM on probably Instagram, probably read the most, and Twitter, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, yeah, we're on Facebook, probably not as much as the other two, but we're there. So if you do like it, or you've got a little bit of feedback, you want to pass on to us, get in touch, yeah, we'll be on there, we're happy to chat. Or you want to just talk about food, <laughs> we're happy to talk about food too, just come and talk about food. If you like today's episode, you might be into the whole kind of chef thing, we've been quite chef heavy lately, um, but obviously the episode before Alex was was master chef 2019 the professionals winner Stu Dealey well an absolute legend he is if you want to go back and listen to that that's all on there too obviously that t- ties in a little bit with today's episode as well with Mike obviously being on master chef last year as well but not the professionals just the, the normal one another chef we had was Craig Treadwell who obviously has a bit of experience with these cooking shows and competitions as well he was on Great British Menu in 2019 his probably three episodes back so if you, you go back and have a listen to that he's on there uh, we've had luke butcher head chef from Penals in birmingham and ben taylor the head chef of probably our favorite restaurant little blackwood yes yeah, so there's plenty of chef talk if you want to go back and have a little listen to them that'd be great and obviously if you do like them episodes or you love today's episode if you could do us just a huge favor and go on to itunes i think it's apple podcasts and like whatever they call it just go on there and if you could give us a, f- a five-star rating and a, a little review, that'd be fantastic. We'd really love that. 2020's shaping up to be quite an exciting year. There's a few new openings coming up already. Obviously, Roxy Ballroom in Digbeth's opening up. That'd be quite cool. I think they've got like beer pong and all kinds of exciting stuff. If you don't follow them, make sure you go and give them a follow. Yeah, another cool opening up is in the Custard Factory. It's... Like one of these retro arcade bars looks awesome. What up, Austria? I love all the old retro games. NQ64. So that's another thing to look out for. I think that's opening up next week. So you might want to go and check that out. Other kind of exciting news, obviously, kind of broke. I'm recording this intro on Wednesday. And it kind of broke today about Couch being named as 20 of the bars, cocktail bars you must visit by the, the Telegraph. So it's lovely to see a bit of. Uh, a Birmingham bar getting into the national press 
we love that it's a massive congratulations to coach yeah and as i said 2020 is just full of exciting things i think it's gonna be a good year so on to today's episode really good episode again probably one of the nicest dudes ever is mike eagersfield he was a contestant on masterchef last year there's quite a lot to say about the whole masterchef experience it's probably what some of us know some people might not know it's, there's a lot of cold food and you know it, at the end of the day it's a tele it's a television program more than maybe a cooking contest and he goes quite deep into that and we talk quite a bit about his new company which is recently um quit his job and he's now self-employed he's got his own business it's called canary and kitchen basically to do outside catering at people's houses i think it starts you said at like 65 pound per head which is phenomenal value i think it's six courses or something like that and if you go follow canary and kitchen or mike eagersfield food on instagram you'll see his fo- the photos of his food it's just incredible really good restaurant quality food we'll put the links obviously in our show notes he mentions a couple of books at the end i push him for a few book recommendations he kind of started off the whole cooking thing by doing this uh, floyd from home i think he was working his way through the, the floyd cookbooks and i don't know if it's because he hasn't come through the whole classical route is he spends a lot of time cooking from books and takes a lot of inspiration from books so i pushed him on a few recommendations for books and i think i caught him on the spot actually and he, he failed to remember a few and i said oh, i'll get a few off him and put them in the show notes so if you head over to our show notes you can see some books that he recommends because he kind of forgets them when i press him on it on the episode but yeah we, we have a brilliant conversation lots lots about food in birmingham in general master chef and kind of going off and doing your own business so there's something of value for everyone i think so i hope you all enjoy big thanks again to Bacchus who let us record there we recorded a few there now really really nice to have somewhere in the middle of town to record from hope you all enjoy this episode with mike eagersfield hello people this is breaking bread podcast uh, here with me carl and liam and we've got a good interview today. It's going to be with Mike Roster Eaglesfield, a former MasterChef 2019 contender, and also runs Canary and Kitchen, uh, in-home dining experience. Hello, Mike. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? All good. All good. Brilliant. So tell us a bit about yourself. So I was on MasterChef this year, following that. Um, we have since started a catering company as well, which is kind of home dining, really. So going out to people's premises and designing um, seven or eight course meals for people, um, kind of bespoke to what they like and dislike, really. Um, so it's, yeah, going really well, going really well. I think we're, we've been going now, I think the first one we did was 2nd of Jan, And I think we're up to 57, 58 inquiries already. So there just seems to be a bit of a call for it, to be honest. So, yeah, all good. What area of Birmingham is it you'll cover most places? All of, yeah, Birmingham, Black Country. Um, We've done a couple of events in Shrewsbury as well, or Shrewsbury, however you say it, but there. Uh, There's there's a lot of people. (laughs) Topical. I've heard it's Shrewsbury, and that was from an MP. From oh, there, MPs never lie. But Let's go with there. that. <laughs> and he was—it's it, Tory as well, so it's probably wrong. So. Oh, yeah. 
He was on the radio. <laughs> and the radio host asked him. <laughs> I don't know any Tories. Don't be silly. <laughs> you say you've got Canary. We'll come on to MasterChef. But you yeah. started Canary and Kitchen. Um, how did that come about? So this started, um, we initially, I started cooking more when me and my wife got together. Um, she suggested putting it on Instagram and keeping kind of a diary of what you're cooking almost. And one weekend we were chatting, I think we were hungover on a Saturday and Keith Floyd came on the telly and we were watching it. And I was saying, I didn't think much of his recipes, that they never look kind of appealing. Yeah. So she said, all right, if you, if you think you can do better, which <laughs> I didn't, I just thought, I, I just, because it's old school TV and done kind of, old school digital what have you um i just didn't think it looked appealing at all so um she bet me that i couldn't cook um his top 100 recipes out of this book that i had so i started that was basically the challenge um so we started cooking them they were fantastic even things like a pea and mint soup the way he did it was exceptional started doing that got to about number 14 15 in and then that was it the bug kind of hit me and i just started going from there really and and kind of buying my own ingredients and, and making own recipes um off the back of that we were contacted then by someone saying would you consider do, doing private dining for six people over in dorridge so we said yes me and tone went over i did all the prep um, with the view that Tone was going to do the serving, Tone's my wife, by the way, um, was going to do all the serving and the introducing of the food. And um, we had no idea what we were letting ourselves into. Went and did it, did a five or six course meal for them, and they absolutely loved it. And they turned around and said, we've had some fine dining restaurants, um, Noma, El Bully, they'd at as well. They were quite successful people, to be fair, company directors and they said that that was fantastic food and to keep doing what we were doing so um we posted about that online and off the back of that um we got in touch with the former blues captain michael morrison he's, he's only just left there now actually and um he asked whether we'd do a, a new year's eve party for him and five of the first team and uh and their wags so uh we basically said, yeah, we'll do that. And we, we cooked for them. And that was on the 2nd of Jan this year. And as I say, off the back of that, it's just gone absolutely crazy. It's just all social media. It's what you can, what we cook. I love cooking. I love learning all different types of food. Um, and it is just, once you put that on social media, it just, it, it catches. If it's done right, and you, we, we've just had so many inquiries then off the back of that and bookings that, yeah. I've had to quit the day job, literally, <laughs> which is good. Just wanted to go back before. Yeah. Then, did you always cook, or were you always a big cook? Um, um, not, not really. I used to where I lived in Solihull. My mom lived. My mom and dad lived about two, three minutes away. So when I moved out when I was twenty-four, um, she used to post me food through the door when they were taking the dog for a walk. <laughs> Which is wicked. I do miss that now, to be fair. But you'd hear a thud in the morning and it'd be like a bacon sandwich or a sausage sandwich dropped through. incredible. It's fantastic. <laughs> that sounds like a business idea right Honestly, now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a subscription bacon Missing sandwich Missing a trick. <laughs> My mum should branch out. But um, 
so yeah that she used to just post stuff which was all sound until you've obviously got company around the house and like a tin foil package drops through it looked dodgy as man a tin foil package dropping through the door but um that that was the i remember i remember buying a couple of cookbooks and just going through them and starting to learn kind of gradually really and then it became i've got quite an addictive personality so it became a bit of an obsession then it was it was cookbooks it was cookery programs and it was just learning and trying it out and then i was single at the time all um all kind of my nights out started to dwindle down as i was kind of choosing to cook in for me on my own rather than go out and um and that was it then really um it just uh, yeah just kept going and just kept learning and um when I got with my now wife, obviously we were doing, well, that was about seven years ago, um, we started to do a lot more dinner parties and that's when I really started to hone it and kind of learn the art of kind of mass catering from pissed up people. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's, so yeah, kind of, I'd probably say 27, 28 when I first started, really. So quite did like, you work in any kitchens or anything or any, no. any training? No, no, nah, nah, nothing. I had... Um, I'd, I'd, I mean, my mom and dad and other people would buy me these like kind of cookery lessons, like learn how to make pasta and, and things like Beckett's Farm or the Orange Kitchen they've got there and things like that. But do you have uh, any good ones you recommend? Them do you know the pasta one was brilliant? Was that at, um, that was at the Beckett's Orange? Or yeah, yeah. Oh, Beckett's, Beckett's Farm, yeah. So they've got an Orange Kitchen there, but I think it was about hundred hundred odd quid. But um, for four hours and learn how to make pasta. Well, to me that was like once you learn pasta you've got so much other stuff that you can learn off the back of it so it was kind of a necessity really but um yeah stuff like that it was just um just learning myself replicating what you've seen on tv um and just trying it out and trying it out like i'd try it out on friends when they'd come over i'd i'd like they'd literally come over before we'd go out and i'd cook like a three-course dinner for them just to give it a quick a quick try before we actually go out on the lash so all very random but um, yeah, it's become since then just like addiction, hardcore. <laughs> like I have to cook. If I don't cook on a night, I start getting twitchy the next night. <laughs> so I actually have to. I just have to go out and cook. Did you have any family who were chefs, or your parents weren't chefs, or your mum? No, no, mum, no one. Mum, I mean, my mum always knew how to kind of host a good party. And a good cook. Um, my uncle as well. My uncle was one that I'd go to stay as I was a kid with the family and we'd have holidays at his in Norfolk and Spain where we lived. And um, he was the big kind of the, the showman when it comes to kind of food and what have you. Uh, and just learned the art of... Because I, I do believe that cookery isn't just about the food. I think it's about, especially what we did with this home dining, that it's got to have theatre as well. So you've got to bring fit. It's no good just rocking up with good plates of food. You want to kind of get people engaged and bring a bit of theatre, you know, get them to try stuff that they they maybe haven't tried before. So yeah, I kind of learned that from my uncle. Yeah, just sitting back and watching him as him and all his mates got hammered. <laughs> Do you think that's what's kind of influenced you to go down the whole kind of private dining part? Because basically, you just crashing people's parties and making them amazing food is yeah that, yeah that's, that's probably it. where that's come from or? it's well do you know we we never set out to do that I, I don't know what i set out to do 
when we first started, when I was cooking the Floyd recipes, we called our blog Floyd from Home. And it was literally just to, like, almost like, you know, the film Julia and Julia, like the Julia Childs, where she cooks like so many of Julia Childs recipes. It was kind of like that, really. But um, yeah, it was just, it, yeah, just crazy. Just all very crazy. And we got the call to say, would you do a home dining? But that was kind of out the blue. We, d- we just didn't know what it was going to be. or We didn't think anything had come of it, if I'm you being honest. pushing for it. Nah, because I thought if you push for it, the art kind of... I, I wanted to do it for the kind of love of what I was doing, which was cooking and um, delivering good food and, and kind of the theatre as well. Um, and I got that buzz when people came around and cooked cook for them and, and kind of did that. And more and more people started to say, you should look at kind of doing this full time if you love it. And then it just so happens that we got asked if we would ever do a private dining event. And that was what we did. And then all of a sudden, everyone was asking whether we'd do private dining. But I do think it's down kind of my age. I'm, how old am I? I'm 39. Um but all kind of my friends and around my age have children and they're all kind of tied in where they can't go out. I mean, they're all pissheads in the day, but they, they can't really go out and do that now. So what this does is we come to you. We now do a drinks package as well of all funky drinks and we kind of bring that to you. So everyone we do, they've always got kids upstairs, but they're getting absolutely wild like uh, the music's blasting and it's good food and it's obviously saving on taxi fares and child mind fees and all that kind of stuff so that sounds like my childhood in fairness yeah. parties <laughs> in the house trying to get to sleep the next day i just wanted to i don't think we can let you go on to the next bit without asking if you have a favorite floyd recipe that you've done a fri- favorite floyd I, I probably would say the pea and mint the first one we did because I didn't think anything, I, I just thought I knew what it was going to taste like. And actually, the, I copied it exactly to the book. I think it did it for about 10 people and it was just me and the wife, but I just stuck to that. And um, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, I cooked like pheasant, partridge in there, all these different kind of um, different kind of things. But that pea and mint soup was just next level. And that made me realise that something so simple was so good that could stand on its own. Actually, yeah, I was talking crap when I thought that he couldn't cook. <laughs> yeah. oh. So how does it work if someone books you? Yeah. What happened? Do you turn up and you've got to cook it all in their house or do you turn up with most of it prepped or cooked? How does it sort so of go? It's quite interesting that because you always get, we turn up 45 minutes before the first course is served and people always think like, they chat to us and then tell, oh, we better let you get on with cooking. But it is done all kind of predominantly, I'd say about 70% is done at home. So where we live, our garage has been converted into a second kitchen. And that is kind of sole use for Canary and Kitchen. And we have, we've had the council around and got a five-star hygiene rating and that is the sole purpose. So all the food is prepped there. We don't use that for our kind of day-to-day cooking, if you like. So we do the majority there. Turn up 45 minutes before um, we're due to serve and then we just finish off what we need to finish off. So you can kind of, you can pan see meat at home and then take it to kind of the third third party premises and then kind of heat it in the oven or what have you. 
So these um, people, they don't need a large kitchen or anything no, to no. turn up and do what you do. And that, that is the common um, misconception that people say, like, I'm a kid, I bet you've cooked. Oh, we have cooked in some great kitchens. But actually, where I kind of learned to cook in Acock Scream was, um, was like five by five kitchen. It was absolutely tiny, but I loved it. It's less walking for me. <laughs> so I can just stand in the middle and just grab stuff. So, um, yeah, you don't need any. Kitchen's never a problem as long as there's a, a working oven and hob. That's all we ask. Oh, cracking! So, what is it if people can ask for literally anything and you'll do it, or do you have stuff that no, like a we, set sort of? You can ask for around about an area. But. Yeah. So what we do, we've got. Um, I mean, I try and cook something new every day, so I'm kind of constantly learning and, and constantly evolving, and that's how it's kind of worked. When we first went out and done it, it was the three dishes that I was going to cook for MasterChef um, that we kind of went out with. And since then, I kind of look back how far I've kind of come since then because of actually what we've got in the bank now of recipes that we can use. They're kind of our, um, our go-to. But we get an idea of what people like and dislike. The majority around the West Midlands, everyone hates fish. Uh, it's weird. That's nuts, man. It, honestly, crazy. unless Oddly it's enough, battered. I know people as well that hate fish and I can't get my head around yeah. it at all. They always say no fish, no mushroom, and like no, no offal. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm not 80. <laughs> oh, there's some cracking offal, though, knocking around the place. Some really see, good options. That's it. I mean, I, I know what I can cook and what I'm kind of, where my kind of strengths lie. So if someone was to say, I mean, it's also, we need stuff that we know, A, we can do or the majority at home a, a b that it travels and see that we can then finish it kind of there it, it, you know you can't have something like a, a kind of beef wellington or anything like that anything that risk going soggy and things like that yeah. plus because we're doing a seven to eight course menu we have to make sure it flows it's not just about because a lot of people always ask for red meat we well, can't have red meat red meat red meat it's got to kind of all flow with kind of lighter stuff and and kind of your carbs and what have you and things so it's there is a kind of structure to it i'd imagine a seven course meal if you can't have fish on it yeah it's weird man it's (laughs) weird they only like it if it's battered to an inch of its life (laughs) can't which i'm fair play (laughs) where did the name come from so the name that that was um a drunk fueled evening that was we um we were out so my wife's from the Canary Islands, Lanzarote. And we, when we were talking about doing this, we were going to call it Canarian, Canarian Kitchen, um, like from the Canary Islands. And we went round, we were actually at my uncle's and we were, we'd had a, a night of food and drink. And um, he was saying, so what are you calling it? And my wife was saying Canarian Kitchen. And he was like, Canarian. She was like, Canarian. He was like, Canary, I, I, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying to me. Write it down. So she wrote it down. He was like, oh, he was like, I thought you were saying Canary and Kitchen. Because initially, we were going to kind of go with Canarian food. Because my wife obviously loves Canarian food. So I learned how to kind of cook a lot of that. And there was no real good kind of Canarian kind of restaurants around. So we kind of thought, well, maybe that's something... But we didn't want to be pigeonholed that it was just going to be Canarian food. And Canarian Kitchen kind of sounded like you were pigeonholing yourself into just Canarian food. So when my, my uncle 
he suggested Canary and Kitchen, that kind of fit, because it was kind of, yeah, it's a nod to my wife's um, where she grew up. Plus, it didn't pigeonhole us just doing Canarian food. So, yeah, all sorts. I don't know, if you, have you seen uh, one of our last guests, Tapas Catering Company, Sylvia? Oh, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She does the, uh, the was it Mojo? Mojo, yeah, no, Mojo Verde, Mojo Picante. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what she does. I yeah, know, yeah. Have you tried them? Or? They are, they are. I've tried them, yeah. yeah. They nice. are stunning because it's all about the papas aragadas and the 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 mojos you got the two mojos and then like the garlic alioli as well done properly and um yeah i love that that's really done right they are beautiful absolutely beautiful Uh, that's probably the closest in birmingham you'll get to kind of canarian food yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. because there's not a tip but, but whenever you chat to anyone like my wife is from lanzarote so everyone you chat to everyone's been lanzarote it's all when I worked in an office, everyone was like, Where are you going on? I was like, Lanzarote standard. But there was yet yeah, there was no real Canarian food, which kind of that's why we were thinking Canarian food to start off with. But yeah, like I say, I I, I like to cook everything and anything and not be pigeonholed with it. You're pro- probably quite lucky with how much you said people don't like fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Canarian food is quite um, fish heavy. Yeah. Look yeah. Them little, was it summer fish? They're nice. I know the little. Have you seen oh, them? Oh, no, no. I think we're in um, Playa, was it Playa Blanca? Yeah. And nearly every restaurant had the glass bottoms underneath and you could see the fish underneath you. <laughs> it was crazy. Love that. it. Love nice it. place. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I, so I don't really eat fish either. Oh, you don't even oh, eat no, fish. No. You're moaning about so people like, who don't eat fish. I'm not moaning about it because <laughs> I, I, I never mind. I, I don't, I haven't grown up kind of eating it. And I certainly haven't really cooked it. So if anyone wants to say fish, I've learned a couple of salmon dishes that um, I can do. But yeah, if anyone says like, do me something weird, I'll shit a brick. <laughs> or just batter it. It's always the same option. Yeah, Everybody doesn't it. like bad fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shove pickled onions and brown sauce with it. So if someone books you, what sort of price range? Is it a vary? So we Much. start at £45 a head. Um, and that is for um, six to eight courses, I'd say, depending on kind of what we do. We've also got a drinks package that we wanted to go with because we kept getting asked what wines go with what. Well, we don't, we're not wine connoisseurs, you know, I like red. That's about as far yeah. as it goes. Yeah, you know the colours, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we were just kind of saying that to people as well. With wine, it's a, it's a, opening up a whole new world that is that whoever you chat to someone's always going to know more than you unless you're Loki wine and one of these so we wanted to do a drinks option that was different so I had a friend that works for um, a quite a unique drinks company and um, we got chatting to him and he supplied like wilderness and nocturnal animals and what have you but some of the stuff he did I said to him I want something that's a story so he said, all right, he said, give me a couple of weeks, gave him a couple of weeks. We met him outside the Red Lion in Alf Church. He opened up his boots and he just had a boatload of booze in there. <laughs> and we great. were just trying all this booze. He just went through everything and the story behind it. And actually, the story resonated. And that's what I'd want to hear about the drink. So it was things like we had a whiskey that was the first whiskey distillery to open in Chicago after Prohibition. And that was the whiskey you had. And that was, that's kind of on the drinks menu. 
There's another one that um, called Kira Kira, I think it is, that is um, made once a week in Japan because it's made from cherry blossoms. So the pe- cherry blossoms get picked in that week when they do blossom, gets fermented and whatever happens to it. And that's the bottle. So you're actually drinking kind of that. And we, we go with that as like an aperitif and a digestive. And we've probably got about nine or ten drinks like that with a story that actually people are really interested in. Usually they go in cocktails, so seven or eight of them ingredients in a cocktail will make it taste like an after eight. Well, actually, if you deconstruct it and even just the little shots, I'd want to taste the little shots and know about where that shot's coming from and and things like that. And we've even got like, um, we didn't know, but the number one selling spirit brand in the world, do you know what it is? Suntory. Jinro Soju. It's a Korean shot, and the Koreans average, I think, seven to eight a week of this drink. Jesus. So we, we bought one of them, and we serve it with a Korean dish called Donjang Jigai, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. well, I don't think our Korean listeners are going to pick yeah, us up yeah. on this one. Shout out to the Korean listener. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we serve it with that, how you'd get that in Korea. Just, again, because the whole story with it, that's kind of that's the kind of theatre that we like, um, and it's a bit of a talking point for people and something that they won't have had before. No, it sounds really so, interesting. Yeah. Sounds like it add a lot to the dinner party yeah, as yeah. well because it's always great if someone turns up and they've got an interesting bottle or something. Oh, or, oh yeah, they're your best mates. <laughs> <laughs> but if you turn up and you've got a different drink that's not just wine with every course, or yeah. that yeah. sounds like something would really be good. It's really good. We, we have different. St- we've got like drinks like Skinnyos. I think it is that is made in one island in Greece and the Isle of Chinos and it's the sap of a tree that they make into a liqueur and you smell it and it smells of sap and leaves and damp and awful but then you drink it and it it drinks nothing like it smells so again it's that interaction with people who book us that we're right smell that and then take a swig and it's just again a talking point and we serve that with kind of pickled olives and things, and it just kind of adds to it. But yeah, people are taking it up, and it's all good, and we love doing it. A lot more to carry in the motor, though, because we have like, it's like five drinks, and we have like them five bottles, but then about 50 glasses, because we have different glasses for each kind of bottle. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a lot to take. (laughs) (laughs) So when people are trying to book you, how would they manage to do that? Online, Instagram, Facebook, is, is how it usually works um yeah m- majority is probably instagram i'd say we just get messages just popping up but yeah we got our own website that people can go into there's a booking form um and yeah prices are from, from like 45 pound per head that's very reasonable actually mm. especially as you're coming into their home as well yeah like, yeah you know, that's it dining, like, exactly and it's um yeah it's good obviously christmas time is a little bit more yeah, it's going to have to be, isn't it, really? Yeah, I want to have a Christmas as well. <laughs> I know Carl's itching to get onto MasterChef, mm. but I, I kind of, I just want to ask you first about working with your wife. How's that? Or Do you know is, is what? she not your wife? She's your wife? She's my wife, yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just assumed she were, you were married. Like just some ma- woman. If you weren't, congratulations, you're married. If now. I was working with another woman like that on an evening with alcohol and I was married to someone else, <laughs> that wouldn't work. It wouldn't happen. Um, yeah, it's sound. We actually had that the week. We had three bookings this weekend that we did. 
and someone said on the Saturday night booking, how have you just managed to do that? That that Because they were saying they can't even like cook like one dish without getting into a blazing argument. But I kind of go into cook mode where I just crack on. I know what I know and I know what I need and everything has to be there. And kind of tones learn pretty quick to kind of the in the heat of the moment when you're trying to get out like 12 dishes um, hot and plated the same with just me doing it that um, she just kind of leaves me to it. So the first one, there was a kind of a few like when we were in the car on the way back, she's a bit like, well, there's no need to talk to me like that, was there? But uh, she knows that like it's it's just the heat of kind of their kitchen you just don't take time. it home your work's work and that's it yeah like, yeah you know. exactly exactly and then just praise her as soon as we <laughs> leave just saying couldn't have done that without you you're the best etc <laughs> she, she's definitely gonna listen to this you know? i know yeah yeah she should i mean to be fair it is it's it's mine and her business like i do the cooking i do the dishes like thinking of the dishes and and, and kind of what have you but she does all the social media all the books all the booking inquiries and she's absolutely brilliant at that and i can do what i can do so it just kind of works really this is your full-time job now just, yeah yeah you know. quit work um a month and a half ago is that a big leap of faith <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it still is terrifying it is because it's um it's we were saying earlier just that it's um once you do it out of the love of it when it becomes monetized and you, you, like there's a you have to do it to earn money it's, it's a bit of a different beast but um, I'm loving it. I was in insurance before. So anything, anything is better than insurance. <laughs> so yeah, this is, um, it, it's good. I'm really enjoying it. But it is it kind of leaping to the unknown. But again, it, it, my missus said like, fair play for her having belief like we can do this. It's something that we've, we both kind of sat down and said it's something we've got to try because if we don't, in years to come, you'll look back and think, oh, do you know, we could have done something. We could have kind of made something there. Well, to me, epoxy insurance job, it was it was worth jacking it in to give it a go. You know, if it doesn't work, I'll go back to insurance and um, alcohol. <laughs> Just on a practical term, like it, we might have people listening who might have ideas and they might be thinking, oh God, I'd love to just jack tomorrow and go off and do follow my dreams and was there any practical steps you took like some people they like work out how much they need to live off for six months and then they'll save that money and then so if all else fails and you don't get any income you should got that for six months do you have any practical advice like that yeah we we did when we started we started to do bookings and the bookings were kind of um one every two weeks i'd say and um it kind of snowballed and got bigger and bigger and now we're kind of up to kind of three bookings a week but the good thing is you can then plan on how much you're going to earn off the back of that so we know we're already getting booked up january i think we've only got a couple of slots left in january now um that's kind of thursday friday saturday um april we got bookings so we knew the time was right for me to just quit my role um just we kind of knew that we we had so much booked in that and i think i was going to get sacked because i was wagging work and going to supermarkets <laughs> would it be fair to say it felt like it was the right time like it, yeah it, yeah, yeah. To, you had to make the choice and that was it yeah it, 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 it was then i had a meeting on the monday with my managers because it was a sales job for them to basically say you're not hitting sales target 
So the the kind of that grip was tightening. So on Friday, we just had that conversation. I just thought, just jack it in. So then just jacked it in and then put on three months garden leave. So um, again, just at home, learning how to cook again, <laughs> learning different dishes and, and just kind of expanding the knowledge, might have you. It's a good help, actually, in fairness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> that tell them a, that. That is though. a good help. Though. They think I'm going to another insurance company. <laughs> You didn't tell them what you were doing. No, Did no. they know anything about it? They well, knew. Obviously, they seen you on telly, but yeah, yeah. So they, they after MasterChef, I started to post a bit more, and my manager said, um, "We think your head's been turned, and that you want to do cooking." And I said, "No, no, no. I love insurance. I really want to <laughs> do you keep insurance." The straight face, or? <laughs> yeah, deadpan, <laughs> right poker face. Um, I said, "No, it's my future," and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was it. It was like, they knew it. They knew it, I think. But to get gardening, if I'd have said I was going out of the industry, they'd have said, um, well, come into the office then and just do like real menial work. So I said I was going to another insurer and they said, right, leave now. So that was it. So straight to the Korean supermarket, (laughs) bought myself some ingredients and uh, started to learn Korean food. (laughs) Where do you source your ingredients? And because it, it must be quite hard going to suppliers, you haven't got like, yeah. Like, like if you work for a big restaurant, you've got the name of the restaurant, you've got a whole kind of structure. Yeah, you're fairly yeah. Fairly new, you're going to suppliers and saying, "Trust me." <laughs> <laughs> but how do you source? Or? We we source um, kind of wherever we can. Now I know that sounds ridiculous, but so we'll go to while we were kind of growing and while we are growing. Um, it's like Korean supermarkets, the Chinese supermarkets. In Birmingham, the beauty is you've got so much around and so many different cultures that um, there's different shops that cater. There's a Lithuanian shop next to Arch 13 and Snow Hill, like around there, that does great Lithuanian food. So if you want to learn, it's all on your doorstep. And to me, that's the fun bit. That That's the bit that I love is just learning a different like I'll go into like a Chinese supermarket see an ingredient and think right I'm going to learn what to do with that like taro root okay so I'll just buy loads of that and, and then learn it because the internet you can do whatever you want to do so just go online have a look and just learn that and that just takes you into a different path and once you start going with one ingredient it opens up this whole new world to you and it's like we've got dishes like I say from Korea China, um, India as well. We've got an Icelandic dish as well that we've done. So all weird stuff, but it's stuff that you can just what's the, learn. What's the Icelandic dish? So Iceland, we had our honeymoon there and we've been about six or seven times and um, we love it there. So it's kind of, they're like fi- the land of fire and ice. So we do a chocolate chili brownie with um, skir, skir yogurt as well, frozen and put on the bottom um, and then citrus kind of um, lemon meringues and where we had it first was um, a licorice ice cream as well with black lava salt on top as well volcanic salt so uh, but that's really nice so it's a bit kind of play on fire and ice you got the element the cooling element of frozen skirt grated over you got the chili um, and the licorice as well so it's all kind of a bit of a nod nod to Iceland it's not like sheep's head or anything shark <laughs> and there's no Icelandic supermarkets in Birmingham yet would yeah, be good quite, that's all very clever then really quite niche <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I think 
can't punch me in the face if I don't start talking about MasterChef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carl, <laughs> I don't know if you know, if he's probably already told you, but Carl's looking to be going on MasterChef soon. So yeah, training it, it for is, a couple of years. He's mad excited, so I'm going to pass you on to Carl and <laughs> let him go crazy. Get comfy. <laughs> is the training going well? It's gone on a halt at the moment because I'm moving house. Oh, right. But I'm moving somewhere with a much bigger kitchen with a double oven and stuff. Solely so for MasterChef. Yeah, just, <laughs> just for the journey. It's really extreme prep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not going too bad. I need to I need to up it more, yeah. definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. So, how, were you already doing the Canarian kitchen when no, you went on MasterChef? No, Chef? no, because you're not allowed because it's um that's seen as that'd be seen as a business right but i was doing our floyd from home which was this top 100 recipes and um for the past couple of years i've had people saying about getting in the food industry why don't you try for master chef go on master chef and that year before i went on so yeah last year um that was a great master chef. It, like that, ep- that series was fantastic. Some brilliant cooks, and that was the first time that I thought actually I could I could do that. Turns out I couldn't, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was um, yeah. I I went to apply. I said to everyone, okay. Well, and I said to the family, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. Then got the application form through, and it was ten pages long. I was like, no, I ain't ten doing pages. that. Oh, it was something ridiculous. So they need to know. So I, exactly. I like cooking. <laughs> yeah. That's Can you it. cook? Yes. Seeing clothes <laughs> photo, does it suit? But you had to do, there was all these like questions. So who influences you? Um, if you could eat anywhere, where would you eat? And obviously, um, you're going to get people saying the standard Noma or yeah. like fat duck and things like that. So it was about kind of standing out different. But the 10 pages put me off. I was like, I ain't doing it. So my missus said, like, I'll <laughs> fill it in for you then. I was like, all right. She said, but I need you to just answer me honestly. She, she was like, why do you like cooking? I like, well, I love it. She's like, yeah, but you can't put that, can you? You can't just put, I love it. <laughs> so you've got to spin it into something. So she done it. And she wrote um, She wrote the application. It was, I remember reading the application at the end and it was, it was class. <laughs> It had everything. It had like it had highs, lows. Yeah. And I remember reading it, finishing it. That's how long it was. It took me about two weeks to read it. <laughs> but um, I remember thinking then, I reckon that that's that's got me on it. That's yeah. got it was it was just that good how she wrote it. But then there's other stages to it that you have to go through. So then you have a a telephone interview for an hour. Um, an hour. Yeah, yeah. Telephone interview for an hour. So they phoned me up, and I was wagging work at the time. I was in the Chinese supermarket <laughs> buying some lotus root, and uh, she phoned me up and she said, "Is that Mike?" I was like, "Yeah." And she said, "It's Rebecca um, from MasterChef." I was like, "Oh, hi, Rebecca. How are you?" You're right. <laughs> and then, yeah, an hours interview with her, and then she says, "If you pass the hours interview." We'll contact you in the next couple of weeks and then you go to the regionals where you have to basically cook a dish at home, take it to a place where you meet the three, like a couple of producers and a couple of researchers and then you've got to plate it up in front of them and have a face-to-face interview with the cameras rolling as well to see what you like. So that was, um, yeah, that was tense. But you couldn't just cook anything so you couldn't go with just something random like gammon egg and chips <laughs> yeah. it had to be um they, they, it had to be a, a story behind it so why are you cooking this dish 
So I um, I got through the telephone interview. That went really well. And then I had the call to meet at the Radisson in Birmingham and um, to the regionals. And I'd prepared, I did an Indian scotch egg. It's like a bit like a kind of Nargis kebab. Yeah, I yeah. love a Nargis kebab. Love nar- oh, their quality. Just without the omelette on top. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. love the omelette on top. <laughs> I'm getting one of them after this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I cooked that, plated it up in front of them. It just so happens. I, I took a beer in with me as well, a purity beer from like the local yeah. uh, brewery because I kind of thought, well, alcohol will make this better no matter what. And they said that's the first time they've ever had a bribe. <laughs> I was I'm happy with that, to be fair. But um, yeah, that was it. I, so I cooked that. That was fine. I was shaking like a tin dog yeah. as well when you're doing it because you've got three people watching did it and then this, I, I, I literally didn't know how it went because she said I'll phone you if you're accepted and that was it she was like there was you could not tell whether you're in or out no um, and then I was going on an appointment with work to meet a, a, a potential client and I had the call and she said you, you're on we'd like you for MasterChef Series 15 I think it was yeah so that was it and then um, that was like a few weeks of just like head down proper wagging work proper like <laughs> I can't come in I've got the shit <laughs> yeah, yeah a couple of weeks and up. then just like cooking like everything trying to learn the lutes and all the basics all the like classic sauces pastry um, pasta again like holding up on your pasta skill just all this kind of stuff that because you don't know what you're going to get asked you ain't no. got a clue when you're there so that was it and then we had um, I had a letter through with a date of where to go in London and they put you up for the night and then you have to be in reception at eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning to meet them and then they walk you over to the studios to film it and uh <laughs> that's horrendous really horrendous because it's um I think naively I thought it was about cooking this sounds really weird but I thought it was a show about cooking now what I experienced um being on was it's more reality TV. So they want you terrified. They want your senses heightened. They want good TV. You know, if you get people going on, you get like eight people and eight people just cook and everything's fine. That's great. But they want drama. They want kind of um, someone dropping food, someone slicing a finger. And so they just try and keep you on it. They, they put you in the green room, which is the room where you get all the pensive shots, where everyone just kind of sits there like that. They put you in that room. They feed you. You can't, you have to basically ask to go to the toilet because you can't just leave. You can't speak to Greg or John if you see them. You've got to just leave them to it. Obviously, they're in the zone. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that terrifying would you say that would they actively sabotage stuff like to make it a bit more interesting you know if, like you say if it was all going really well and everyone was cooking brilliantly and it was going swimmingly that's not very good television would they like do you think they'd be like i've heard stories on other programs not so yeah. much master chef where they like switched ovens off or change the temperature on the oven or well i think you know. i don't know about out and out sabotage but how they like we had the hr woman come in and she said, right, and she was like an old headmistress, man. I don't think she'll listen to this. She was awful. 
She was all, she was terrifying, and we we'd started to relax a bit, and then she came and said, "Right, has anyone ever used an induction hob?" And everyone went, "No," and she went, "Well, they're induction hobs." Okay, sound. So what does that mean? <laughs> She's like, "If you take the pan off, it'll stop working." So don't take the pan off. Like, right, okay, where's all the stuff? She said, it'll be on your station. And we were like, what, everything? And she went, no, not everything. Okay, right, so what, if I want to deep fry something, where's that going to be? Put your hand up and ask when you're in there. And we're like, but is the oil hot? Like, uh, uh, what temperature? Like, what, what happens? We don't know. Like, because it's alien for you. You, you ain't got to, you're going into the unknown and being filmed. So it's terrifying. But, um, yeah, she weren't helpful. She walked out and all of us turned to each other and went, you know, we're <laughs> more nervous than ever. And then they basically say you've got five minutes to, to count down and then you're outside the door. They look at what lineup they want you in at. They tell you where to go. They say, walk in, walk straight to your desk, put on your apron and just look at John and Greg and that's it. But... I d- to answer your question, like the sabotaging, I mean, we had one guy on there that cut his finger and they said, right, you've got to go to hospital. Now, he's from Texas but lives in Birmingham and I've, I've we kind of stay in touch. And um, I had a chat to him and said, was it bad? He was like, no. He said he could have carried on, but they just, they basically said it's better television by saying you've got to go to hospital than putting a plaster on and letting you crack on with it. Um, he actually ended up, he cooked pork in a cream sweat because he got thrown off so he had to leave in my episode but then he was allowed back onto the last episode of the first round and um he said he cooked pork this is the kind of thing that was our experience master he cooked a pork dish and a cream sauce and he said the pork was like blushing like beautiful pork he said i know it was he said and the cream sauce was spot on he said by the time they come to eat it, which was about an hour and a half after he'd cooked it. The studio lights had overcooked the pork and then the sauce, they reheated it, but reheated it in the microwave and it split and they judged him on the overcooked pork and the split sauce. Jeez. So it was like, it's a bit, it's just weird how it's done. So I, I cooked pasta and it, partly because I'd watched an episode from two seasons before when a woman had cooked pasta she took it up and they went, you've cooked pasta, technical skill, you're straight through. So I thought, right, I can do pasta. So that's what I did. But um, they said it was like my school report. I could have tried harder, <laughs> pretty much. Jesus Christ. I suppose the standard goes up and up every year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You watch the first series now, you see what some people cooked. And what people cooked in the final wouldn't even get past the first round no. on these episodes. No, the no. New series. It has. The, the standards now, and I think that's probably where I misjudged it, that I think even if you try, at least you're like so many different processes, um, past is a good technical skill. I think it's like Greg said, that it just shows you can make a good bowl of pasta, which probably on another day would have got you through if other people had have kind of Fuck messed it, up. Yeah. But I think in our round, there was three semi-finalists and a finalist in the round that I was in, or two semi-finalists and a finalist. Yeah. So it was it was good competition. But it was good experience. But um, yeah, just terrifying and a bit... It, it good experience to say you've done it, but I didn't enjoy it. No. If that makes sense. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I, I, I cook because I love cooking. And I mean, it was, it was things like we said hello to John. 
um, John Terode as he walking past, and he just blanked me. No way. Completely blanked me. Where it's like in Birmingham, if someone did that, that you'd, you'd be you'd calling them back. You doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bit, but because they're TV stars, um, you you just you take it. But it was like one of the women asked Greg Wallace in front of me. He was in the bench in front of me. She said to Greg, "Have you got the time or how long's left?" And he said, um, "He said you got an oven in you. Why don't you try using that instead of asking me?" And again, you think, oh, God. I'm telling you, he's always telling, no, you've got this long left and this he, long left. That's what uh, he says. Yeah. Going on there, we all said, Greg seems a really nice one. And John Tarode, you just need to cook him something spicy and everything will be okay. Yeah, they both weren't very nice, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but again, that's my opinion that that is like, well, a few of us in, in kind of the round that I was in, that they were just. Um, kind of didn't want to be it just felt like it was a bit of a chore yeah. but I suppose it is their job so I think about me and insurance that that was a chore so it's kind of the yeah I kind suppose. of the same thing really so once you've cooked you what's the hour and a half wait to cook dinner you, obviously it's shot different and stuff for telly it's all yeah. edited together yeah but you'd still assume they'd eat the food fairly soon after it was cooked no because it's all the shot they have to take all the photos of it when you go in they basically give you john and greg gives you the brief and says right you got 10 minutes to decide what you want and then you got an hour to cook it and then they count you down three two one go so you, you get your basket you run off and then it was cut and it's like, everyone back to the stations. We need to set up the cameras in the farmer's market now. So then you wait in 15 minutes. like, And so your nerves are still like... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's still going like the clappers. Um, but when you cook it, you finish it. And then you actually go in for all the interviews then. That How do you think you went? And like, what do you think you could have done more? And that took hour and hour and a half. And then they start eating the food. So it's all the photographs the producers are saying. It's, it takes about an hour. They eat it cold. Um, some of the stuff they heat up, bit kind of hit and miss. Like my pasta would have been at cold. They wouldn't have heated that up. But again, like that that lad that was on it that split the cream sauce, you know, if you were, had your hopes pinned on it and what yeah, have you, you'd be, fuming. you'd be gutted. I suppose if you know in advance though, you can... Yeah, plan to cook something that's going to hold itself yeah, well yeah. for an hour and a half. That's it. But I, so I don't know how you'd, they'd go like with sorbets and stuff like I'm that. that. Ice cream or even yeah. like steak if you've just done a good steak. Yeah. It'd be cold when it comes that's to it. You well, can't that was, reheat it. That was the same with the pork with this lad. So I, I don't know. It was just bizarre. Um, yeah, all very weird. Very weird. So when you see them go in then with their basket, does it take quite a long time? Do they give you more time to decide because you've got to wait between shots? Or no. You've got that amount of time. You've got, you've got 10 minutes. Because I remember um, someone someone was trying to get on a machine and the machine wasn't working. And they said, can you hold the time for me? And they were like, no. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, it was, you, you've got that time. Um, you have 10 minutes to decide, but then they go around and they're interviewing people as you're doing it and you don't get that back. So you're talking to the camera. Some people were for like three, four minutes and then you've got to decide. Everyone has a game plan. Like everyone knows. Yeah, there's going to be chicken. There's oh, going to be yeah. tomatoes. There's going to be... And you know all the stuff, but no instructions on it on how to cook it. So I was screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I just thought pasta would be a good one to do. Um Another lad did polenta, knowing that polenta would be there. So 
to do something like that. But I think they've seen all them tricks. Do you get what I mean? I think a lot of people have done them through the years. So now, if you do that, it marks you at a disadvantage. Because I remember one of the cameramen, I was chatting to when Greg came over and spoke to me and said, what are you doing? And I said, like, pasta, a kind of pasta dish that I like to cook when I'm drunk, which was a lie. But it's a dish that Italians cook when they're drunk. And it's so it's chili and garlic and pasta, and it's kind of their it's their equivalent of our curry on like a Friday night after a, a night on the session. So I thought if I say that, maybe there'll be some link there that like oh yeah, that's what Italians do. But there was there was there was none of that. But um, what was the question again? I've just got to keep rambling on. Where were we? At? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. So yeah, I, I think they know because like. Greg spoke to me and said, what are you doing? I told him that. And he said, "Um, right, okay. And he said, is that it? And I kind of didn't know what to say. I was like, well, I don't want to just throw a chicken on there or something (laughs) like that. So it doesn't go. This is like a rustic Italian dish. So I was like, well, yeah, I'll I'll maybe fry up some sage and crumble that through in a a crispy um, kind of Parmesan to it. And he went, right, okay, good, good, good. And then he walked off and the cameraman looked at me and kind of smirked and went, good luck with that. And I kind of thought, what do you mean with that? And I think it's because they just know. I think working, I mean, they've been on it for, well, 15 series of how the format is now, let alone how it was previously. Yeah. so I think the cameramen know what really they're looking for. And I think my advice now to anyone like you going in <laughs> would be, um, I think you've, you've got to try something now. Like I think just resting on the, oh, well, I'm going in with a bit of a game plan and knowing that that's going to be there and we'll do some career that. I think you do have to kind of do something. But in that white heat at the moment, respect to anyone that does that because I, I couldn't. Like, no matter what I say about it, I couldn't have done that because it was, um, that's, stupidly, that's not why, I'd, like I say, I love cooking because I love cooking and and the timing element and all of that. It was too reality TV for kind of me, yeah. really. It was a bit too cutthroat. So you wouldn't go on it again? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But having said that, I mean, I, I get on really well with the one of the women that got to the final, Delia, and um, she... So they kind of, a bit like X Factor, you're tied in, so you can't post anything on social media. So she couldn't do anything, but I could, because when you go out early, like first round, you're okay. They're kind of like, you know, good anyway, is, is, is how they look at it. So actually that gave me a three-month head start on learning what I was doing again and, and kind of... Um, the thing that he did teach me, MasterChef, is you have to submit three recipes just in case you get through. You have to go and cook a, then a main and a dessert or a starter and a main. Yeah. You have to submit what you're going to do for the next round. Ah. And that's the only thing I'm gutted about because I'd done um, a posh balti because ah. of Birmingham and yeah. it was lamb cutlets and like a, 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 balti, a balti jus, really. Potato fondant. And that now is on our menu at Canary and Kitchen. And people love it. And that's the only thing I'm gutted about, that I never got to do that. But in the grand scheme of things, I probably couldn't have done because it was terrifying. And again, it's it's, it's horrendous. I, if I could do it again, I'd do it again just with a shitload of diazepam. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'd just be off it. <laughs> 
So what's it like when you're stood there and you've got Greg and John talking about your food to you? Are they are like, is it just that's all they've ever said to you or is off camera, do they say stuff they, as well? They said, they said so much more off camera. But what you don't realise as well is you take it up and they look at it and then they look at you and they keep looking at you and then you think, fucking hell, should I say <laughs> something? And then they kind of say... Um, Right, ready? We're good to go. And so, obviously, they're filming their looks. The camera's filming what they look like and their kind of reactions. But, like, Greg said to me, or he tried mine, he went, yeah, it's really nice. Really nice. And then the editor went, Greg, can you just talk about the texture a bit more? And then Greg will go, yeah, the texture's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, great pasta, yeah, yeah. And then John would say, like, but it's a bowl of pasta. And they say, yeah, John, can you just talk about the colour and why you don't like it? <laughs> Jesus. So, so they're almost told it's prompted. What to say, a lot yeah. of it's prompted, yeah. But it's um no one had any idea. Well, actually, all of us watched everyone's kind of dishes be criticized. And they say a good version and almost a bad version. So they praise it and then they'll kind of slam it as well. A little bit. Yeah. But the only one they never slammed was mine. So everyone was saying, oh, you're straight through because they never slammed it. But I think it's just, I think it could be edited well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a certain way that it, it could be edited. And again, it's reality TV, isn't it? it? I think we all said when we went to the pub after that first round and me and Mark had been knocked out, we all turned around and said, Delia will get to the final. And we reckon it will be an all-women final as well just because of the movement of what was happening yeah. at that moment in time. And um, Delia got to the final and it was an all-woman final as well. So it was just, and now it's not to say it's conspiracy or anything like that. It's MasterChef, but I think they kind of, I think they know almost which way they'd like to take it maybe. Yeah. In my opinion. I suppose since they know what you'd cook if you went through as well. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But we had, I mean, there was a guy that went on um, last year that I personally think is one of the best cooks that's been on MasterChef. And he got to the semi-final and thrown out. And I've spoke to him since. We, we kind of like, you go into a Facebook ex-MasterChef group after. <laughs> so you're friends with all like the, the previous contestants and winners. And he was a guy called Greg Emerson. And this guy is next level absolutely next level and he didn't get he got to the semi-final and he should have won it he, he should have won it hands down his food I, and, and still his food now I look at his food and think how are you doing that as like a, a kind of um, and I say normal cook but like a, a kind of home cook yeah but he ended up opening a restaurant and things like that but he um, he should have won it and I, I just I see some things on there on MasterChef that like as they were getting through that you think how how is that kind of worthy yeah, yeah. of where it is do you know what I mean but you know hey one of them innit one of them no I don't sound bitter I don't <laughs> sound like an X Factor finally saying you haven't seen the last of me <laughs> you happy with that now Carl Carl's I'm surprised he wasn't taking notes the whole time like it's definitely going to get your wife to fill out his application. <laughs> I can, he's wrote that down at the top. I can see it. I can give you prep talk before, before you go on. Love it. I'm excited. Oh, you lost me at 10 pages application. I was gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. I'm, that was exactly <laughs> me, me as well. I'm done. I'm spent.
I mean, I don't blind Master Chef. They've got to make it look interesting. No one's going to watch it if it's boring. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And that it, it is what it is, and it works for some people, and some people thrive in that. I particularly didn't like it because I prefer um, cooking because I love cooking yeah. as opposed to time and, and and what have you. But uh, yeah, one of them got an experience. An I think experience. we we kind of got chatting on Instagram is the first kind of way. Yeah, I liked a lot of your photos. You liked a lot of ours, and then we started talking about. It. We go, you go somewhere. I think you went Harbon Kitchen first. Yeah, and I, I was like, I'm going there. How yeah. good was it? And you were like, awesome. And then I went, and it was awesome. It was that one in Newcastle, wasn't it? Was it? Was it in Newcastle? A yeah. Restaurant? What was that one in Newcastle that do like the little plates? Oh, oh where York um, Scosche. Yes. Yeah, Sco- York. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah that was it. That's Scosche some place, Scosche, that, yeah, That's it? unbelievable, that is. Oh, that man. hen's egg. <laughs> Next level. That Next hen's level. egg. It's ridiculous. Have you not? Oh, you've got to tell you. Do you know, uh, we got the hen's egg, obviously. Everyone gets the hen's eggs. We got two of them. And then at the end, when they were like, can we take it? Do you want any desserts? And I was like, yeah, I'll have. And then gave him a list. And then he... My wife was like, mm, do you know what? He said, you want another hen's egg? <laughs> and my, my wife was like, yeah, I, I do. He was like, it happens all the time. People like order one hen's egg. And then at the end, instead of dessert, they'll just get another hen's egg. <laughs> they so are that good. It's, it's incredible. That is, that's some of the best food about. And what I loved about that is that um, it was so chilled, a really relaxed atmosphere but kind of fine dining as well. Yeah, it felt it special, really but good. at the same time, it was very, it was very like Harbon Kitchen. It's very relaxed, but yeah. quite special as well. Yeah, I don't, I think it, mi- it missed out on a Michelin star. I'm not, I think it's got a bib man, but not a Michelin full Michelin. But yeah, yeah. So matter was, of time, though, surely. I think so. Yeah, I think it will definitely get what. Where do you like eating out in Birmingham in general? You know, I think birmingham food at the minute's never oh. been better obviously that's why we decided to start the podcast yeah yeah i think it's um we're really lucky with how many michelin stars restaurants we've got um for me i i kind of like i mean michelin star is fantastic it's a special occasion though, yeah it? yes. th- and that's it and i think it's um again that's with us that's where we wanted to fit i think the street food scene is fantastic in birmingham deep of dining club and all of that. I mean, that is superb. But you never tempted to go down that route when you kind of started. We are kind of a little bit. We kind of like to do with kind of them street food flavors, but the kind of home dining that we do. But them kind of flavors. It's so it's not fine dining that we do. It's it's good tasty food um, and that kind of street food vibe, but done at your home with kind of different elements from different kind of countries and. And, and things like that but it um, dictates it has to be food that people want to eat yeah, yeah 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 that's it and street food is that yeah and I think fine dining will be things that you're really unsure of but they they almost stuff you've never really heard of and things that just done alchemy and, and stuff you could never dream of street food to the Joe public is more tangible is what I think but yeah the places in Birmingham we're massive fans of is it Topoki Topoki on her street the Korean that is it's good I've never been stunning yeah it's really really good I love it there so good I think we we love that um, we're Ophim as well Ophim yeah that's today well that's we're filming 
recording this i think picked up a star today. yeah yeah that's i've been there a couple of times i absolutely it? love it i've it's had the taste menu and the normal around here a la carte stuff there and it's the take it's, it's just a fantastic place isn't it it's it's a I, I think the beauty like ophim again he's stunning and he's actar's italian restaurant leg legume Legna, 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 that's it. It, yeah. we went to the opening of the spring menu there and that was stunning um all brilliant but then you've got you go the balti the, the kind of balti triangle as well and you've got the the basic chicken bolt for like five and a half quid yeah, and that's brilliant. quality yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's like there's so much stuff they, they birmingham is just at the moment is banging for food it just seems to be getting better and yeah. better all this our podcast we're just we're load of so I've got a list of restaurants I want to eat at. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. supposed to be ticking them off, but as I'm ticking them off, I'm adding two every time. Yeah, you're going to be skint. <laughs> <laughs> but you like Carter's as well. Carter's, because we did, I remember the first one we did, first Michelin star we ever done was Glimpernell's. And I, my naivety, I didn't know how it worked and I had six pints of Guinness before we went in. And then went on the taster menu and by course seven, had to go be tactically sick in the toilet to carry on. It was it's one of them, innit? But that I, I again, get a feeling Glim, Glim would be quite proud of that. Yeah, though. yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I mean that that's beautiful and how that's done is is incredible. Brad Carter's for me, kind of my generation, that that felt a bit more relaxed and the fact that he'd serve like beer with stuff as well, that to me is a bit more of a pull. Um, but that was, I mean, that was class as well, Carter. But there's loads, Adams as well. I mean, Adams isn't, he's not trained either. He's self-taught, isn't he? I'm sure he's self-taught. I mean, like, unreal. Absolute unreal. But, um, yeah, so much to do. So much to eat. I think we just got so lucky when we started the podcast. It was just as the wave was coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was good timing. Riding that wave, fair play. But it's not just the restaurants. (laughs) There's like, (laughs) but there's there's other, there's pop-ups everywhere. Like you got the Duke in King's Eve that does pop-ups. Yeah. um, Lap. There's little uh, Asian feasts and stuff like that from Can Eat Cafe. Yeah, yeah. Them. They're awesome. Like, if you ever get the chance to go to them. And then, obviously, yourself, the the pop-ups. you got pop-ups at... Uh, yeah, gin, gin and, and pickles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's the one... I think that's what's brilliant now about the food scene is that, like, even Brad Carter's getting other people in and doing stuff. Um, and I love that. I love that it's giving little people a kind of chance to go do like thousand trades at the jewelry quarter that that they had I was it salt or someone a, a bit of a resident but they predominantly had kind of people coming in and just I think they changed monthly or is it two monthly or something like yeah, that but yeah. they're, they're always changing yeah. it's brilliant but that's class man just the fact that they're doing that for the likes of us is brilliant and that as long as you do good food um, and you you know kind of what you're good at then there's no reason why you can't kind of get on the big stage with these kind of like thousand trades and do pop-ups and, and things like that because it's it's all tangible. And social media, everyone knows everyone on social media. That kind of network, we've met so many people through social media now and, and what we post and how we do it that, um, you know, it's just having a conversation with people and seeing whether you can do something. Always worth it. I think that's what people, when you hear a lot and people get annoyed by it is the word authentic when it comes to social media but I think what people mean by authentic is like just actually having conversations people forget 
you double click why not just leave a little comment or get into the dms and start chatting you know yeah what I mean? yeah yeah it's, that's how it's meant to be i think and uh, that, that's relationship build building community like you yeah know? exactly right that was my, my old job was relationship building development work and it's exactly the same principle in cooking is just building up a network and just helping people and you'll get it back and that that's it that's that's 100% you yeah. find your own crowd then as well yeah definitely definitely Did, how often are your pop-ups once a month or they're once a month at the moment yeah um we're in talks with um another company one of the two companies actually that want us to start doing a pop-up there as well there's one in stafford and one in birmingham city center so we're still it's like we've got a lot of things bubbling at the moment which is really good you're gonna but be a busy man hopefully hopefully i need it I need it. Skint, I tell you. What can people expect? I think we spoke about it at the beginning, but I think we spoke off air, didn't we? Yeah. I don't think we were recording. So if you, did you say it was six course, seven courses? About a lot of the pop-ups. Yeah, the pop-ups, the, yeah. the pop, So the pop-ups, what we try and do is kind of, um, our motto was always kind of under-promise, over-deliver. So people go, because to me, Michelin stars, I always remember them through the free stuff that I was given. I know yeah, that sounds yeah. stupid, no, it's but true. it's always the free stuff. So that was kind of what we wanted to do. So uh, gin and pickles, we'll do three courses, but we'll kind of give five or six things there. Just different stuff like we do, like a last roller, which is um, a roller. Sinners. Yeah, and yeah, people gold, love it. Gold roller. Gold roller filled with amaretto. But it works because you just get, people instagram it as well i think and that's that's the almost horrible thing with it that you got to do food that is a bit gimmicky when really you don't want to you you want it all to be about the flavor but also you know i mean when we first started they were saying well you need to do like a chocolate bomb because everyone films them and then that will start trending and stuff you know like, oh, yeah but you know if it happens organically brilliant and that last rollo kind of happened organically and we do it and people started to post kind of about it when they had it and that seemed to be the main thing and I like the fact that it was organic you weren't searching for well that's going to look good on Instagram kind of thing yeah, it was that makes sense it just does look good yeah. on Instagram yeah. yeah 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 I think we're near enough coming to an end now it took a good bit of your time I don't think I could let you go without asking you to recommend a couple of cookbooks a couple of cookbooks yeah as soon as you Oh, through the whole episode you, you, you seem like the kind of person who will take a recipe from a cook well you'll actually use a cookbook you know yeah I, yeah i have hundreds of cookbooks but do you think i cook any of them no do you know <laughs> I, I just love sitting down and reading them but you look start, like a man who uses them like. they're your starting block like I, I i've got one in the van now that we've got the van i have like about four or five up on my bedside cabinet as well um you pick a couple just as a, a couple favorite? i'd say there's um Oh, you're going to ask me who it's by, but there's a Japan cookbook that's incredible, like hardcore Japan. I'll tell you what I'll do is... I'll, really I'll, good. You can message me tomorrow or later, yeah, or yeah. and I'll put a link in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, I'll yeah. ping them over. They're fa- yeah. I've got about... There's three or four. There's another one called um, Korean Barbecues, and it's all about kind of um, yakitori and, and making you... So if you're into that kind of food it's about how you can replicate that at home without a yakitori grill that none of us have that's on my christmas list but it won't be bought (laughs) i bet yeah god damn it but yeah i'll um i'll have a think over some decent ones but yeah i'm into that at the moment so it's all japan and chinese food 
That's what good. Have, you? have you been Asia Asia? No, we go next year. Go next year for me fortieth. So yeah. So, hang on, you're going to Asia, as in we go no like Japan. We're doing all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I meant uh, there's a restaurant in town called <laughs> Asia Asia. I was like. I don't know. I was like, I don't know if I go there for my fortieth. It's good, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> so good they named it twice. <laughs> I'm there. Did you just? You just thought I stuttered or something? <laughs> I didn't notice you had a stutter. I didn't want to bring it up. Then I thought we've got through this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a place uh, just by the end of the kind of boring markets and stuff, isn't it? It's called Asia Asia. Yeah. And you walk and go up the steps and you buy a little prepaid. You put some money on a card and then. It's like a, an old food hall then. They're all around the outside of the uh, dining room. Oh, nice. And there's like a Japanese, there's Chinese, Thai, there's all different kinds of uh, Asian foods. And you just go up, they take the money off your car, you just say which one you want, and then you sit under the canteen style chairs oh, and you stuff your face. But see all really over that. Will you send me the link to really that authentic. then as well? If they yeah, finger. I always rave on. There was one, there's like um, a province of China, it's like just on the north border it's a muslim part of um of china but they do like really spicy thick noodles you know like um, uh, like udon, them, udon yeah they, like them but thicker and he makes them there by hand you see him in there like just making pulled. them oh, oh. and it's so spicy i mean like i'm i'm not a massive spice but it will blow your head off and it's they're really tasty they really see i love it why oh. would you not like there was a guy on saturday kitchen this week that did a kung pao sauce i've seen your picture of it yeah so yeah. i wanted to learn about kung pao so it was then researching that all saturday to learn it and we've nailed the sauce now but that just through watching something on tv the internet, everything's there, man. Yeah, everything's there. You've got to do it. glass on that sauce. You could see it in the oh, photo. I tell you what, <laughs> it's stunning, man. Really good. Really good. Well, I think, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, then? no, I think that's it. I think all good. Yeah, love that. Thanks very much for coming on, Mike. Happy days. Awesome. Cheers, gents. See ya. Take care.